Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour. As I'm your host, LG Harrell, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Connor Donald. And it has been a couple weeks since the Eagles fell to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card round of the playoffs. We'll touch on that and a whole lot more when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles and this upcoming offseason, this very important offseason for the Eagles. Connor, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, just finished digging out of like, I think we ended up around 16 inches of snow. Nice. So it's been a rough, uh, you know, 36 hours digging out and having fun in the snow, if you can call it fun. But do you have I mean, a shovel or do you actually have, do you have a, uh, do you shovel or do you use a, um, uh, we have a service. We have a plow service that comes by. I mean, we have like a weirdly shaped driveway, so we have to shovel it into the driveway. And uh-huh. when you're get sitting on like the first time we went out, like almost 12 inches of snow and yeah. you're pushing it. And oh, man, it's oof. Whenever, it's I get my own, whenever I get my own house and I'm responsible for the shoveling thing, like I love the snow. But I hate shoveling. I'm I'm getting a snowblower because you know that I I'm heavily I'm considering now. I'm heavily <laughs> considering that uh, proposition now. So I could have one here by the end of this winter or heading into next winter. I can almost guarantee it. You but and and the funny part is when you buy one, you'll never need to use it because it won't snow like this again. Just that's that's kind of how things happen. We've been living in this house now for about two uh, two years and a couple months, and so that's now two winters that we've gone through three winters almost and this is the worst storm we've had here so absolutely that is going to be what happens <laughs> every three or four years you get a winter where you're like damn i want that snowblower and then you're sitting there and you're like well i spent a thousand bucks on this snowblower and i barely exactly. get to roll it out exactly well I'm, I'm glad to hear that you your your uh your girlfriend and your son are all safe and everything is uh is a-okay for you guys up north um so absolutely all right so before we get started give a shout out to our partners yeah absolutely man shout out to uh he was on our last episode if you haven't checked it out tom cunningham and the family over at the fight philly fight network at fpf network on twitter fight philly fight network.com and just uh if you're listening to this today or maybe first thing tomorrow morning on your way to work you're gonna get a sneak peek of i have an article coming out first thing tomorrow morning about five names to watch at the Reese's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama for the Philadelphia Eagles. So keep your eyes out for that tomorrow morning. That will be Monday, January 31st. Um, and of course, you can check out all the other all the other podcasts and written content that they have there. And of course, our partners over at BetUS, the most trusted um, betting partner for the last 25 years in America. Make sure you go to BetUS.com. Um, and tell them that the Kelly Green Hour sent you by using the promo code Fight Philly Fight or FPF, I think it is. I got to get that right. <laughs> but yeah, make sure you go and you tell them that. I think sent it's FPF you. Network. <laughs> yeah, I think it's FPF Network as well. That's terrible that we don't know that. But make sure you go <laughs> and, and tell them we sent you. Yes. All right. So uh, we're going to quickly touch on the Eagles Buccaneers game, but there are only three games left in the National Football League. Not counting the Pro Bowl. Um, you have the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs, which we will give our predictions later. The NFC Championship game, an NFC West showdown between the Niners. Uh, that team just making a run at it after not clinching a playoff berth to the last day. 
and the Rams, who they had, came back from 17 down in week eight, week 18 to make that, I think it was week 18, um, to, to clinch a playoff berth. And then we have the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. So the, the Rams are the first team in NFL history to host the NFC Championship game with the potential to play in the Super Bowl two weeks later. And it's just crazy, Connor. Like, this, the NFL season goes by so quickly. And I get it. It's the shortest of all the all the other sports. Like, there's 82 NBA games, which is way too long. There's 82 hockey games, which is way too long. There's 162 um, baseball games, which is way too long. Um, but the NFL, like, they're at 17 games. But it doesn't feel like it. The season goes by in a blink of an eye. They play once a week. You know, it goes from August, September till around this time. And then, you know, the Super Bowl is in February, but it's the quickest. It, it goes, it, it's seven, six, seven months, but it goes by so quick. And then when we get to February, we're like, all right, we want some more of it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be watching the USL, USFL in a couple months. Like, it's not going to be the product that the NFL is, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I just need that football in my life. Absolutely, man. I I agree. I mean, I almost wish college football took place in like the spring or something. So there was like a really nice like spread out, you know, you get a mix of everything instead of the USFL or XFL or these, you know, these companies that continue to try and profit off of the popularity of American football and, you know, nothing beats the NFL. That's like the king of sports, especially in America. I mean, I know soccer worldwide, but really the NFL is just continuing to flourish and grow year over year all over the world. And you know what? I agree for all the talk that we do in the off season and all the hot takes and, and all the speculation and everything that it feels like it takes an eternity and then here we are, boom. It feels like we've barely talked about anything in 18 weeks of the NFL season, and it's over again. Yeah. Yeah. And and quickly before we, we go, it would be awesome, I guess, if college played in the spring, but then we wouldn't see any of the time with the draft being in April or May or March, whenever, whenever the draft is, um, with, with, with all that happening, you know, we would never see the top stars. Um, it's like, a dream. Know, it's it's honestly it a, a dream, dream because it would just the idea of having the sport year round just would give you so much more. You wouldn't get so antsy waiting for it. And and trust yeah. me, you can tell that people get very antsy. So, yeah. All right. So let's uh, quickly touch on the Eagles Buccaneers game. The Eagles fell 31 15 in a game that wasn't that close. It was 31 um, nothing about midway through the third quarter. Um the Eagles offense went went back to their early season ways. They, they didn't really run the ball all that much. And Jalen Hurts did not look good. He made he he threw the ball late. He didn't hit open receivers. He had Quez Watkins open um for for a play, but he just didn't see him. This is the issue that I have. I like Jalen Hurts. I liked Jalen Hurts in college when he was at Alabama and when he was at Oklahoma. And I thought coming out in the draft, depending on where he went, he had the potential. To, to have the highest ceiling of all the quarterbacks coming out. And obviously Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are, are, are way past him right now. But if you look at it, the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm going to sound wrong in saying this, but they need to make an upgraded quarterback. Um, I, look, I, I don't, I don't think any of the quarterbacks in this draft are, are it. And I know in the last, um, the, the last episode that we had recorded, Tom had said it's Russ or bust. I don't know if, if if that's worth it. I think Aaron Rodgers is probably going to stay in Green Bay now. But, you know, the only guy I think 
you want to have the best quarterback in the division because having the best quarterback in the division almost always, almost always, now not 100% of the time, but almost always assures that you win the division. And by winning the division, you get a home playoff game. And right now, the Eagles don't have the best quarterback in the division. If they go out and trade, make a, make a move, depending on what the situation for, say, a Deshaun Watson, and I have been on the Deshaun Watson chain for a long time. Look, I'm not condoning anything he's done. Obviously, you want to make sure that's cleared up. But if you get a Deshaun Watson, you get an instant top 10 quarterback in the NFL. He would be the best quarterback in the, in the NFC East over D- Dak Prescott, <coughs> excuse me, over Daniel Jones, over Taylor Heineke or whoever's going to be the quarterback in, in Washington. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles need to find a way to do. They need to find a way to get a quarterback that is an upgrade over Jalen Hurts. And look, I get it. A lot of people like Jalen Hurts. They think he can be something, but we know what Deshaun Watson is right now. Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback. He's probably more top 10 now after missing the year. But but Deshaun Watson can make all the throws. He he did it. He did it. He beat Alabama in college. Like we know the, the, the type of quarterback he is. Again, I am talking about just on the field. Personally, you know, all the stuff that he's been involved with or, <clears throat> excuse me, has been um, – you know, char- potentially charged with. Look, I don't even know any of that. But on the football field, if he can become clear of all that stuff, you go out and find a way to make a move for Deshaun Watson. If he is willing to come here, I get it. He has a no-trade clause, so so that could be the big holdup. But you have to make an upgraded quarterback. You need to get a quarterback that can make, the all, <coughs> make all the throws. Excuse me. And <coughs> Deshaun Watson can be that guy. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in regards to should we consider an upgrade at quarterback? Yes, but if it's going to cost multiple firsts, like it depends on what what it is. To be to be completely frank, I I feel and I've con- I've said it since almost week 1 when you know the speculation about Jalen Hurts, you know, it, it went all off season, it continued throughout the season, and I said the value of building around him and utilizing those three firsts is far more important than investing the two or the three firsts to get some, like I think the people are speculating these trades as if there's a value with the quarterback market, but Tom Brady just potentially retired. Aaron Rodgers may potentially be moving teams or out of the or retiring as well. Ben Roethlisberger just retired. It is going to be an aggressive quarterback market, and to sit there and say, "Yeah, well, we have three firsts, but yeah, do you want to sell all of your first rounders to get the quarterback with the holes you see?" We have linebacker massive hole has been a massive hole I know that we all were so quick to throw Jonathan Gannon under the bus and we want to just say oh Gannon's a terrible coordinator and that's a be-all end-all Jonathan Gannon is not a terrible coordinator and we're going to get into him and his head coaching interviews later in the uh, show but I don't think he's a terrible coordinator I think he was a byproduct of having a terrible defense. The personnel just weren't there for his cover two defense that he wanted to run. You need a good linebacker. You need a cover linebacker. You need two safeties, at least one safety who you can trust to handle 50% of the football field. And you did not have any of that. Those two major positions, the front four could not create the pressure that was necessary. Um, And as we've seen in the past with Jim Schwartz, when the front four can create pressure, it takes so much pressure off of everything else in that scheme. But like 
there's so many holes, like wide receiver two, potentially center, now right guard. I think Jack Driscoll can, and Nate Herbig can probably do it just fine. But obviously, there's people who are going to say there's that's probably a need as well. Safety, multiple safeties, linebacker, CB2. There's so many holes that, to me, going out and acquiring any quarterback is just a patch job to hope that that quarterback can literally lead the team almost exclusively by himself because you give up the right to get a bunch of people because you have to remember the contract situation too. Everyone's like, Oh, but look, we're at like, I'm going $23 million right now. And everyone's like, Oh, he's going to work his magic. How he's going to do his thing. We're going to get to about $40 million. Likely true. But have you thought about the prospect of Jalen Hurts costing you less than a million dollars and the idea of bringing in one of these quarterbacks who costs the minimum $25 million. So you're automatically out $25 million. He's freed up up to $40 million. You have $15 million to address all these needs. You're out at least two of your first-round picks, if not three of your first-round picks. To me, it just doesn't make sense. It it would You would be putting all the marbles in on the quarterback, turning the entire team offensively and defensively around. And to me, that's why I think it just makes more sense with Jalen Hurts to stick the way we are. And I know we were supposed to talk about the Bucks game, but let's be serious. We had two drives that were over four minutes long. We rushed, what was it? We rushed 17 times, not even 17 times. I can't, oh, I can't even find this. Rush, 17 Russian attempts. There's not much to talk about in that game. It was a horrible game. So, of course, we want to talk about Jalen Hurts. We got want to talk about the sore thumb in all of this. And that's my perspective on the Jalen Hurts situation. Um, and, I mean, we're going to dive into Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman's press conference. But I do stand to believe that Howie will stick with Jalen Hurts unless he gets the opportunity to have a really good deal well, on the table where the Eagles are winning from a value and from a player perspective, not just from the player perspective. When it comes to what Howie said about Jalen, he had to say that. You can't go out there and say, oh, well, we're, we're going to look to improve because then you're going to be held over the barrel and, and be forced pretty much to give up all three first-round picks if you were going to go for a Russell or Deshaun or, or an Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think that, that one's going to happen. But – <clears throat> excuse me, the one thing that I noticed while watching even the divisional round of the playoffs is the Eagles don't have the quarterback right now. But, like, look, he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not saying he, he should be Patrick, uh, Patrick Mahomes, but he's not even going to be – he's not going to be Josh Allen. That, and that might have been the, one of the greatest football games I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I don't, I don't think that <clears throat> Jalen Hurts has the potential to even be close to, to doing that. You know, looking at uh, he's not going to be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has a cannon for an arm, um, even with that bad offensive line. Like he was still able to throw for close to, da- to damn near four four hundred yards. Um, <clears throat> and he's know. definitely, I think, like that round definitely spoke volumes to the need for a quarterback. Like you look at a, and a good, a smart quarterback, a good quarterback, and a quarterback can make that can make the passes. I know. You've been talking about it all year. You can't win a championship on the backs of just running the football, which is probably this past weekend proved it. If you can't throw the football, you can't make something happen in 13 seconds running the football. Dak Prescott can speak to that. He can allude to that ain't happening, running the football with that type of time on the clock. But look at Matt Stafford, that on a frozen rope 
that pass to Cooper Cup that pretty much buried the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, Jalen and then make to hear throw. him speak, to hear him speak about that afterwards and the intelligence that Matt Stafford had in saying, this is a coverage I saw. He couldn't believe that they had a safety one-on-one with Cooper Cup downfield. I don't even know if Jalen Hurts would see that because Jalen Hurts' ability, Jalen Hurts would not read that it's once he slow. said snaps the ball. But what I, I just don't know what Jalen Hurts sees prior to the snap. I don't know what he diagnoses prior to the snap, but it feels like more often than not, he's not diagnosing properly because you see in the RPO and the play action pass that he doesn't make the right decision even then on, on multiple occasions per game. But I like mean, Matt I don't even Stafford. Think Hurts, I don't think Jalen Hurts is as good as Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo right now either. Now, potentially. He, maybe he could, Jimmy he G. I, he can throw the interceptable passes. He can airmail <clears throat> yeah, passes he also like can Jimmy read G. The field can. A lot. He also still re- reads the field a lot better. Like his decision making isn't great. Like that Dallas game, he he tried to throw Dallas back into that game, but was, fortunately for <clears throat> for us, Dallas is you know coach is an idiot and quarterback is an idiot. But um, like and I want to point Garoppolo one more thing out too. The, Garoppolo can read the field better. And he mm-hmm. gets the ball out of his hands a lot quicker. And that's what you need sometimes, especially when you're going up against a, a team like Tampa Bay when, you know, it, it's crazy. You saw the video on the sideline. They're saying that he can't read. And that's exactly the truth. Jalen Hurts cannot read the field right now. Now, can he learn that? Sure. But the one thing you can't learn is arm strength. He has no, he doesn't have the arm strength to, or, or you know, the, the, the accuracy to, to hit his receivers down the field. And that's something that hurt the offense. Like, if you're, we're talking about the Eagles potentially needing a wide receiver number two, but when you have a, qu- a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, like what? How many catches is the second receiver actually going to get? It's Devonte Smith, it's Dallas Goddard, and then they're going to run the football. What wide receiver number two? Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, you know DJ Shark. Like which? What guy is going to want to come here to catch 30 passes a year? Because that's exactly what it is right now. Unless you up, upgrade a quarterback, that that second receiver is going to be pointless is going to be he's going to maybe make two catches a game three catches a game when you have Jalen Hurts at quarterback right now and I do want to point out one more thing if it's true that Brian Johnson might be leaving I think that's a huge loss for the Philadelphia Eagles because they brought him up from the Florida Gators because they knew he was a quarterback guru he did really good things with quarterbacks and to think where Jalen Hurts was week one and where he is now. Yes, he's still inconsistent, but you could see some changes in his game. You could see some improvements in his game. It's just, you know, anticipation, accuracy, some of those things that obviously take more than one year to teach. Those are those are things that give it a couple more years. We're probably talking about a, a different Jalen Hurts. But if Johnson does leave because of potentially an offensive coordinator role or something, that would be a huge loss for the Philadelphia Eagles from from a coaching coaching personnel perspective because he was supposed to be the guy that really helped develop and maximize Jalen Hurts when Nick Sirianni brought him up from the Florida Gators. So I think if that happens, that's I didn't a see massive much improvement loss. I didn't see much improvement from Jalen Hurts throughout the I year. Saw, I saw moments, you know, where usually like, you know, week one, two, three, four, five, he probably would have tucked and ran. Instead, he stepped up in the pocket. He didn't vacate the pocket as quickly. There were situations, but there wasn't enough of it. That's why I said it's inconsistent. It's still a work in progress. It's still inconsistent. But for the Eagles, it's like, how much longer can it be inconsistent and a work in progress? Because this team is not 
is potentially not that far off. Like, I mean, like we talked about in the last episode, this was a team that was supposed to be a four-win, five-win team, bottom five in the league by most far standards. Far off from what, though? They're not far off from what? Because from what I saw... Right now, they, mediocrity. They they are far. They're not, like... They're not. Uh, they're not going to win a wild card game right now with with the team obviously constructed as they are now. They definitely aren't going to compete in the divisional round after what I saw last week. So that means no chance of getting to the championship round. I want to win the division. They need to have the best. I think you have to have the best quarterback in the division to win the division. And right now they have by default the second, but that's because Daniel Jones stinks. But he also has Taylor a head coach Heineke's now. Out of a job. <clears throat> he also has a head coach right now that helped Josh Allen. Now, obviously you're not bringing the weapons that Josh Allen has, but you know, he has a coach that has worked well with quarterbacks to, and improved them. So by default, Jalen Hurts might be the second quarter, best quarterback in the division, but I want the best quarterback in the division. And right now they don't have that. No, no, abs. Absolutely. I mean, I, I want to see more and I still think that there's more value in keeping the picks and rolling with it. But I understand there is a risk. When are you going to have these three first round picks? How often does this happen? Like, look at the Giants, look at the Jets. How often are you going to get like two top 10 picks? Like it, those, these are valuable picks that the Eagles have. And you're not going to see how we get this opportunity often if there's a chance to upgrade the quarterback position, which I do understand. And if the upgrade makes sense and if it works, sure. I just think at this point, you said if he didn't say that in the press about Jalen Hurts, we likely had to give up all three first. This, the outlook, the scope of the quarterback market right now, if he's not giving up the three first, he's not getting one of those big guys. I, I don't think there's any chance he gets those. The market is going to be that aggressive. And there's probably teams that are a little bit closer than the Philadelphia Eagles. They, there's some teams that you can probably argue are a quarterback away. The Denver Broncos, potentially. I struggle with it, but the Washington football team seems like they could be a quarterback away. Like a really good quarterback from being a... Have a it being a massive difference maker for them. So it's tough to say, but there's a lot of teams that are going to be at Pittsburgh, definitely a quarterback. Their defense was amazing. And look at the offensive weapons that they returned. Sure. They need to work the hell out of that offensive line, but they have so much great weapons coming back. Even with Juju on the way out, you still have Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, you have Pat Fryermuth, you have Deontay Johnson. You have such great pieces there that, there's some teams who will go out there and bid, outbid the Eagles because they know they're in a better position. The Eagles just have the capital to potentially win, but you might have to give up all that capital to get that quarterback. Well, I do think that regardless, the Eagles aren't using all three first round picks this year. Like they're one thing how mm -hmm. he does is self-preservation. So one of those first round picks he's going to trade. Um, I guess it doesn't matter. They're all near each other, 15, 16 and 19. Um, but, like, the, the chances of how we're using all three this year are slim to none. Like, if, if you can get away with giving out giving up two, whether it's two this year or one this year, one next year, I don't know how if that would be possible, but, like, I would do that. Um, and we'll, we'll see. Like, <clears throat> we'll, we'll see what happens. But right now, they have to figure it out at the quarterback position. Jalen mm -hmm. has to improve. Now, can he improve his re reading on the field? Sure. But I don't know if he can improve. You know, he has to throw his entire body into it when he tries to throw the ball deep. But he also throws it late. 
So that, that, that pass that he was trying to get to Devontae Smith in the end zone, he threw that way too late. Like the safety, the safety came from the entire other side of the field to pick that off. Like that should not happen to an NFL quarterback. And it did because Jalen doesn't know how to read the field. And the Eagles, look, I want a team that can host a playoff game. I want a team that can get to the second round of the playoff, you know, the playoffs. And right now they don't have that because of the quarterback position. And that's the most important position in sports. Like, if you can have the quarterback, then anything can happen. Like, when when they went to the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz was the MVP of the league. Did we anticipate that coming in the 17? No. But <clears throat> he also has the intangibles. Like, he has the arm strength. Um, I, he reads the, he reads the field quicker than, than Jalen Hurts. <clears throat> he might not <clears> – <throat> excuse me. He might not have the leadership that Jalen Hurts have. Like, the leadership qualities of Jalen Hurts are top-notch. You know, everybody in the locker room loves him. But sometimes leadership ability doesn't win football games. And that's what I want to, you know, and doesn't put put stats out on the field. Like, I don't want a quarterback that's going to throw for 140 yards a game. Mm-hmm. And because you're not going to, and I, and I said that, and as you mentioned, I said this time and time again, you're not going to be able to win a, a championship <clears throat> with your quarterback, you know, completing 57% of his passes for 140 yards and you, and you run in the ball 50 times. It just doesn't happen. You can run the ball 50 times, but Patrick Mahomes is still going to throw the ball and, and score in two plays and put up 35 points. Can you put up 35 points running the ball 50 times? It's hard to do that. You have to be able to pass the ball and get your weapons on the outside and Bob, and the Eagles can't do that right now. Absolutely. No, I, I agree on that point. As always, we could go on about Jalen Hurts forever in these episodes. Like we could probably host an yeah, episode we per week. Exactly. We're going to be talking about Jalen Hurts every episode for probably at least 10 plus minutes every episode. But I think it's important to touch on the Sirianni and Roseman kind of end of season address. Um, and that was one of the things was the big question is hurts the guy. The other thing, one of the big things was will Rager be on the team in 2022 as well. I know a lot of people want to let him go draft capital and financial investments say you probably shouldn't let him go because you're not saving anything by letting the guy go. You're really losing money. You're taking negative gains just to get Jalen Rager off your football team. Um, Roseman said he's disappointed with what he's seen from him. He doesn't like what he's seen from him. And they had a discussion. They sat down. They talked about it. And he has a lot to work on. Here we are going into year three with a first-round pick wide receiver. And he still has a lot to work on. I think Jalen Rager's on the team next year. But I do think that comes with the massive, if you don't get this right, you take your negative loss and you get rid of him after next season. But yeah, no, I, I mean, disagree. I, I I don't think he's on the team. I think that that wild card game against Tampa was the last straw. You know, I don't know who's forcing him to be the punt returner, and I know Greg Ward had a back injury, so you oh, really that that has there. to stop. I agree but with you that that has that to fumble. Stop. No, that that was the last straw. He can't get off the line of scrimmage. He 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 has no athletic ability, no speed, nothing. They need he's not. If if I'm running, if I'm if I'm um, Tiriani, I don't care. He's not making the team unless he makes marketable marketable um improvement but i'm i'm not even gonna give him that chance like he needs a change of scenery we need a change of scenery from him and and the eagles need to they just need to go in their own separate direction i you know f it i'm taking whatever financial loss that there is and i'm moving on he can't like if you saw 
video of him, you know, one-on-one receiver corners, like, you know, up in his face against Tampa. He couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. He does mm-hmm. nothing for this offense. And, and it's like Sirianni had a get Jalen involved portion of his script. He'll throw a screen, he'll hand it to him on a jet sweep, and it doesn't work. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the physical physicality. He just doesn't have it. And the Eagles need to cut their losses because he is a detriment to this offense. And he he does nothing positive on the field. You have to take your loss. You have to cut bait when, when you when you realize that you when you realize somebody is just done. And he and he can't do it at this level. And right now he can't do it. If he goes mm-hmm. somewhere else and flourishes, sure, fine, great for him. But it's not going to happen in Philly. They have to move on. Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing for Philly to do would be there's probably uh, we know how he's going to be making some deals. He's going to be trying to make some trades, dump them in their trade as the as a just this this piece say. We don't even want him anymore. If you guys want to take him, he has the fifth-year option if you want it. Like, see what you can get out of him the next two years, and then you can take the fifth-year option or not, you know, whatever it is, what it is. But just try and dump him into a trade in some form or fashion. Try not to lump the losses into this financial loss, because obviously we know there are already financial situations that are going to come into play. Whether Kelsey comes back or not, that's an issue. Brandon Graham, he's got some major money tied up in him. Fletcher Cox has some huge dollars tied up in him. Brandon Brooks still has a ton of dead money to come. You can't just keep taking your lumps in the form of financial losses. Dump them into a trade. Say, you know what, we'll give, I don't know. Like, there's been people saying, what about for Calvin Ridley? There's people who are throwing out, like, a second and Jalen Rager for Calvin Ridley. I don't think. be a first and Jalen Rager. Yeah, I don't think personally that Atlanta will part for with him until uh, for less than a first I think they're going to still want a first um but yeah do a first and regular like try and tie him into a deal and get rid of him just get rid of him that way but do not take the lump as a financial loss we cannot continue to take that because you everyone should know by now the way that how he works is magic in the through the use of the salary cap and restructures and stuff is by loading money up at the end of the contract void years dummy years that eventually yes the salary cap doesn't truly exist but that money does catch up to you as we saw last year when the salary cap didn't go up as we see this year as you you know you have to continue to restructure you have to get people people need to retire you have to cut people post June 1st to free up those dollars because there's so much money tied up in these guys so obviously that means you can't take these lumps of money that are a big negative on your cap if you want to continue to work the magic that how he works with the salary cap so I think you got time in their trade in some way or say here we'll give you the better pick We'll move back in the draft, but you got to take Jalen Rager, something like that. Anything. I think it's it's like hard that. to trade him just because other teams have seen him and know that he's not a player. Like there could be guys who are creative in their offense who might say, "I could see some potential here. Let me see what I can do with him." And and if he sucks, we don't pick up the fifth-year option. We let him go. It is what it is. Because obviously, the fifth-year option on a late on a mid mid-ish first rounder is still going to be pretty expensive. So obviously they're going to want to see him out these two years and stuff. But I mean, as we talk about Jalen Reger, that brings up an interesting point with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. No, he's gone too. 
JJ Ortega. Okay, so in the presser, JJ Ortega White said they actually spoke very highly of him because of his role as a blocker and in special teams. Do you think he should be? I think one of the two is back next year. I think that there's I think not really any gone. way. Obviously, all Eagles fans think they both should be gone. But the way they spoke about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, they saw a value with him even just on specialty. Again, they have to talk highly of these guys. You can't go out there blasting these guys because if you want to move them, whether it's through, if it's through a trade, you're not going to be able to. Because but they didn't speak highly of Reger their, at all. They spoke go back horribly of Jalen Reger. Teams will go back to the comments and be like, we know you don't, you want to get rid of them. Like, we're not going to give you anything. They're both mm-hmm. detriments to this offense. You can't – look, yeah, he's a great blocking receiver. No, you can't win that way in the NFL. You need to be able to get the ball down the field through the air. And J.J. Ardega-Whiteside can't do it. Jalen Rager can't do it. They both need to be off the team. Point blank period. The Eagles need to move on and make improvements to the wide receiver room without those two guys. I think it'll be a disappointment to a lot of people when one of them is walking back on the field in week one next year, because I do think that one of them will be back on the field. Like I said, the only way Jalen Reger leaves this team, and I think Howie knows it too, it's got to be in a trade. He's not going to just take minus X amount of money on the salary cap just to get rid of Jalen Reger, especially the way that he spoke about it in the presser as we had, you know, uh, a conversation, we had that heart to heart conversation and he knows he's got a lot to do. He knows he's got a lot to work on this offseason. And we're going to see what happens. I think these guys are going to be around a lot longer than fans want to admit. Because they could make the cut as the fifth or the sixth wide receiver. It sucks to admit, but they might be able to make it. Reger, for the fact that the money that's tied up with him, would probably make the cut. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside only for what he brings as a blocker and in the special teams. And I like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in special teams. That's even if the Eagles keep six receivers. They might only keep five. Yeah, they might keep five. Devontae's one. Quez is two. I'm not saying Quez is going to be the two receiver, but Quez is saying. They only have four under contract. It's Rager, Ortega-Whiteside, Quez, and Devonta Smith. So at this yeah. point, you're staring down only four wide receivers under contract anyway. I'm getting rid of two of them, and I'm bringing in a vet receiver and probably drafting, not in the first round, but maybe potentially draft somebody um, and maybe bring back Greg Ward. Who knows? But Greg Ward, you'd have to let him test the open market because the RFA numbers are pretty high. Like The minimum is $2 million if you want to put any type of tender on Greg Ward. So I think you'd have to let him hit the open market and you could likely bring him back because I don't think he stood out in any way, shape or form that anybody's going to say, Oh, Greg Ward's on the free market. Let's get him. I I think there's a way to bring him back as your slot receiver. But to me, then it's like, how much more useful is he than JJ Ortega Whiteside? And keeping him for that aspect. He makes plays on the field and Jalen Hurts trusts him. Um, Jalen Hurts will throw him the ball if Hurts is going to be your quarterback. I'd much rather have somebody my quarterback trust, and he doesn't trust Rager. He doesn't trust – now he's not going to come out and say it, but you can see it. He doesn't trust those two guys, so I'm getting rid of those two guys. I like it. I like it. Um, I, I can get behind it. I think that people need to be rational, though, and take the time to think about the salary cap implications because you can't just cut right down to the salary bones, cap, the cap wide receiving myth. room. And then sit there saying, okay, we got 35 million ish dollars. I think it'll be around 35 million when all said and done. 
you're not going to sit there and stare down $35 million and be like, all right, we need two wide receivers. We need to fill out our wide receiver room. So we got to in- insert number here, $15 million to the wide receiver room. Receiver Boom, half your cap's gone. In the draft. One re- vet receiver and one receiver in the draft. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying Devontae Adams. I would love Devontae Adams, but he's not leaving Green Bay. Um, and if like, he is, it's for a I guess it's for thirty million dollars. So <laughs> I don't know how much. Uh, I good luck with that. I don't that. know how much I, I believe that report, but um, like Mike Williams, Allen Robinson, sure they're kind of the that second tierish. Um, but but even then, it's gonna cut. Like Mike Williams is definitely going for like minimum minimum like thirteen million dollars a year. So you can't imp- invest too deeply Look, at the wide receiver multiple times. I get, and I don't I get that. There's a there's a lot of mock drafts that have the Eagles going first round wide receiver. Yeah, no to. chance, man. No that's chance. That's because they don't do trades. A lot of these mock drafts don't do trades, and the Eagles aren't using all three of their first round picks. Like, agreed. It, it's very very slim chance of that happening. But if Jalen Hurts is going to be your quarterback next year, and you need to find out if he can be the quarterback, you need to put wide receiver weapons around him. We know Devontae Smith is good. We know Dallas Goddard is good. You have to find a legit number two guy to maximize your quarterback to see if you can win with him and if he can be the guy. And if you don't do that, you're not doing justice to your offense. So that's my my reasoning. Having Jalen Rager and Jay Jaw on the team isn't doing justice to this offense. So go out and get a legit number two receiver. Agreed. Definitely. Without question, you got to go out and you got to address the uh, wide receiver two position. That is just a... For sure thing. And and there is no arguing that point. And you have to do it through free agency. The average age of this quarterback room is under is, I think, at 24 years old. If you go with the four that are under contract, it's so young. You have to get some some veterans in there to help these guys. Devonta Smith is a stud. He's going to be a stud. But you need to surround him with people who are going to help him. You need to surround like Quez Watkins can be really good, I think as a third option but he needs some help there like these guys need a veteran presence some stability some guys who've been there who've been through the thick of things with their teams with their quarterback and who can help you get better as a leader and as a wide receiver so without a doubt going to get a wide receiver in the first round isn't i don't think improves the wide receiver room get in a vet get in a true wide receiver two through free agency does so much more then going back to the well for the third straight year at wide receiver in the first round. So unfortunately, I don't see that for all the mock drafts that are going that direction. And I get that the trades don't exist. And obviously, I think they do better to go defense with all three first rounders if they keep them, minus maybe the center. If you can get, if Kelsey decides he's not coming back, you probably have to look at Linderbaum. But otherwise, you can probably go defense through the first round. Um, but one other thing I wanted to mention out of that presser, um, Brandon Graham, they say he will be back and he will have a role in 2022, which is very obvious. And we have spoken very highly of him in this episode or on this podcast and how much the uh, front four lacked without Brandon Graham. Um, I think they go drafting an edge in the first round. And I think that the idea of rotating that edge with Brandon Graham next season will be huge for a, that rookie 
and B for Brandon Graham and taking some tread off the tires with Brandon Graham. Anything you want to add on what they said about Brandon Graham? Obviously, they say he's a great leader. They say that he's vital to the team and stuff. And that goes absolutely without saying after this season. Oh, yeah. And, and they missed him. And something we've said time and time again, the, the edge rushers missed Brandon Graham's playmaking ability against the run and getting after the quarterback. Derek Barnett most likely should and he should not be back. Most likely won't be back. Josh Sweat, after he got paid, kind of hit a wall, and then and then really picked it up at the end of the year. At the end of the year, and they really missed him in that Tampa game. Um, so while they they're gonna have to draft somebody, they also may have to sign somebody because you know they, they do like the the rotational depth at and or Milton Williams who who played really well, you know, in his rookie year. You know, he could be that versatile inside outside guy. But yeah, you know. Brandon Graham's going to be back. He should be back. He's a, a, a vital leader in the locker room. Um, and we and we know the, the ability he has on the field. And, you know, coming from back from an Achilles injury isn't easy, obviously. But if somebody can do it, I, I mean, he puts in the work. And he would be the guy that, that can do it. You know, and, you know, they're going to have to add pieces, you know, whether it's in the draft, which will most likely one of those first-round picks will be a, a defensive lineman. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk of David, uh, a job, Jabo from, from, um, Michigan. Um, but like Kerrigan's not going to be back. Barnett shouldn't be back. Hopefully won't be back. Um, so, you know, Josh Sweater is going to be the starter on one side, Graham, potentially the starter on the other side. Teron Jackson got some playing time. Milton Williams got some playing time, but they still need to, to add a couple pieces just for the, the depth along the defensive line. Um, so I, I mean, I'm glad that, that I, Look, I always was of the belief, like, Brian Dawkins should have retired as an Eagle, should have never went to to Denver. It sucked that he did. Um, he should have been in an Eagle uniform his entire career. Uh, Jason Kelsey's that type of guy. Lane Johnson's that type of guy. Fletcher Cox is that type of guy. Um, you know, Brent Selleck retired as an Eagle. Um, and I think Brandon Graham's also, he's the most important defensive player in the history of franchise. Um, in the strip sack in the Super Bowl of, of Tom Brady. He should retire as an Eagle. And I get that we, we always talk about how Howie Roseman gets uh, – what word am I looking for? I don't want to say emotional, but he, he feels like these older guys he, he, he owes stuff to. Well, you know, give it, give it one more year with Brandon Graham. Um, Brandon Graham's not going to want to go out off of an injury, and I think he's going to come back and he's going to play his ass off, and, and he's going to be a, the, the leader that this team needs. So I bring him back, um, you know, and – while he may not be the the full time, I'm gonna play 90% of the snaps guy anymore. But he can also help a young guy that you draft and and show him the ropes in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, to to draft an edge and have him rotate in and out with Brandon Graham for a season and learn from Brandon Graham would be instrumental for for that young rookie and his ability to become the anchor across from Josh Sweat for years to come along that front four in Philadelphia. So I definitely agree with you there. And he's under contract, so there's no reason not to have him on the roster. And, I mean, the only thing is there's a lot of money tied up at the end of this. And it's a dummy year in 2023. So you bring him back, you let him play it out, and then don't sit there and say, you owe something to these guys because you owe something to these guys is why we're sitting in some of these con- contractual situations. So if it's that time, it's that time, kind of similar to what's going on with Kelsey right now. Hopefully 
they hopefully Brandon Cram can come back and be healthy and be extremely valuable for a young front young two edges that are going to be taking over and t- learning the ropes from him and taking over for him going forward whoever it may be Josh Sweat and whoever that may be of course because it's not necessarily a great free agent class for the edges and I ne- I don't necessarily believe that we should that you should go through free agency to address the trenches I think it's good to have that homegrown talent in the trenches look at Jordan Mailata like that he's a prime example of work and Landon Dickerson rookie season you put him at left guard boom look at him explode onto the scene and the job that he was able to do Josh Sweat you know that Dickerson would have also been a first round pick if he didn't have that ACL injury 100 percent and I'm sure there's teams looking back now saying same thing's gonna probably happen with Jamison Williams there's a good chance he drops out of the first round and somebody's probably gonna really regret letting Jamison Williams slide he's gonna go in the first round I hope he does. I I think he'll be right at the end. Would, and there's a actually, lot of wide receiver needy teams at the end. So I hope he does. Like if if the Eagles trade it back into the first round, like late portioned, and he was there, I would consider it. He is that good, mm-hmm. and it sucks that he got hurt in the uh, in the the championship game. But if he doesn't get hurt in that championship game, it's a totally different game. He. He meant that much to that Alabama offense. Hundred percent. He runs great. He's like he he reminds me of Devonta Smith. I mean, same things are going to be. Look at his body mass. Like, look how small he's not that big, but he's a technician, man. He runs routes so smooth, so nicely. Um, and we see the value in a guy who can create separation through their patterns and through their releases like Devonta Smith. Obviously, we wish we had seen more because he probably should have been hit on some more wide open targets. And he was forced into a lot of contested catch situations and danger plays by Jalen Hurts. But at the end of the day, you see the value of having a technician at that position like Devonta Smith. Um, Brandon Brooks, he announces retirement. He did us a favor. He restructured his contract and saved us $12.3 million, I believe, next season. Um, and then obviously after that, some dead money kicks in, but he helped us out for next season. The salary cap will go up. So we're probably, it's just going to be some dead money in 2023 that we're barely going to notice, uh, when the salary cap goes up again. I mean, anything you want to add to, to the Brandon Brooks situation, there's lots of speculation on what they plan to do at the right guard position. I personally think if Driscoll can be healthy, there's no reason not to put him there. And Herbig was very serviceable. Herbig is the only person that I think I would put the RFA on. If you can put an R, he is an RFA. If you can put one of those tenders on him, Herbig back at $2 million or two-ish million dollars isn't that bad. I would probably do that with Nate Herbig. He was pretty reliable at the right guard position until he got hurt as well. And so... I'd rather Driscoll there, but I know there's people who think that Dickerson should move to center and then you start changing the guards because I know a lot of people may forget this name, but Isaac Samalu's coming back into the mix if the Philadelphia Eagles choose to bring him back and keep him in the mix next season. So I don't know anything you want to talk to uh, talk about with Brandon Brooks. I mean, he was invaluable early on and in that Super Bowl run and with that Super Bowl team. But at the end of the day, injuries got the better of this guy. And as much of a freak of nature as he was coming back from some of these injuries, you can only do so much for so long. Yeah, it is a shame that injuries kind of derailed his career. Um, Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson both talked highly of him. They made him about they he made them better players. 
Um, and, you know, Brooks and Johnson formed the best right side in the NFL for a couple of years. Um, in, in regards to who could replace him, I think Kelsey actually comes back for a year. You leave Dickerson at left guard. And you put either Sayamalu or or uh, Driscoll at right guard, um, but if you track Tyler Linderbaum, if you're Linderbaum, if you're able to, he could play right guard. Like I don't know if you move, and then if Kelsey were to retire, I don't think you move Dickerson. Him and Mayalata form one of the best, if not one of the best, if not the best left sides in football. Like they're gonna grow together. They're both young. They're in their early twenties. Like let them grow together. You're gonna have a formidable left side of the offensive line for years to come i wouldn't do that you know isaac sayamalu could play center uh driscoll was you know during uh combine was was practicing at center or if you draft tyler lindenbaum he could play center so that's kind of where i would go in, in terms of that but i think the biggest key for the offensive line is jeff stoutland he needs to stay here as long as possible um if you could keep jeff stoutland <clears throat> beyond this year because you know last year there was a talk of him going to alabama um, or going back to Alabama, I should say. If you could keep Stoutland, that keeps your offensive line, regardless of who goes in there, intact in just because of the way he gets those guys ready to go. Um, but like I said, I think Kelsey comes back for another year. I didn't see a guy at the end of that Tampa game that was thinking, uh, you know, of, of calling it quits. And I think he'll he'll give it another run. And when you have a team that's coming off of a playoff berth with that young talent on that left side of the offensive line with Lane Johnson and whoever you put on the right side, like I don't see why he wouldn't come back. Um, This team has potential. The only thing again that I fear is if if Stoutland decides to retire or go, you know, the the college route, then that, then I would be worried about Kelsey. Um, But you know, when it comes to Brooks, he was the best right guard in football when he came here uh, back in what, 2016, I think it was. Um, and if, if it weren't for injuries, man, he, he had he was on his way to a Hall of Fame career. So that that does stink. Um, but you know, if the Eagles are smart, they're going to find a way to get him involved in this organization somehow, some way, um, to keep him around. Um, and you know, all the best to him. Like he, he was he was the best guard when he was healthy. Was it you know if they if he if they if he didn't get hurt in in 2018 that the uh, divisional playoff against the Saints, that, that's when the running game went downhill. And the Eagles win that game and go to the NFC Championship game. It was, what, 14 nothing when he got hurt and it went downhill from there because the Eagles couldn't run the football or protect Nick Foles. That's how much he meant to the team. So we'll see. But the Eagles should do what they can do to keep him involved in the organization. Absolutely. Um, definitely agree with all those points there. And, man, just the prospect of Tyler Linderbaum – and putting him at right guard and learning beside Kelsey for a year and knowing that he's going to take that position over after that, that's a scary front five for next season if you draft Linderbaum and put him at right guard. But there are some, there's definitely some decisions to be made along that offensive line because Isaac Sayamalu, you can save a decent amount of money by getting rid of him. Or do you keep him around and kind of use him as your swing guy who you can move around the offensive line? Um, I know Sayamalu, I think, did a did better on the left side than the right side. But I do think one name to keep an eye out on this year is uh, this offseason is Andre Dillard. I I do not think he comes back to Philadelphia next year. I think there's too much value in uh, left tackle with the first round draft pedigree. Um, and I think he's going to be dealt. There's a lot of teams who need left tackles. 
And I think that he will be out the door. Look at Cincinnati's offensive line. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, there are teams who would probably give... I don't know if I'd go so far as a second, but I feel like that's where Howie would value it. Howie wants a a day two, a second or a third, and it depends how needy a team is feeling or how much a team likes the look of the the tackle class this year, which it's got some nice names at the top, but not necessarily so good the further down you work. Like So there may be more people than we think in the market for Andre Dillard, and I'd 100% be on board with moving on from him. If he was willing to move to the right side of the line and be that swing tackle backup in case of injury <laughs> to Mylotta or Johnson, I'd be all for keeping him. But we you already know that he refused to move to the right side. So And when he did, he got benched. So Exactly. Um. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we get to some predictions is the potential coaching carousel changes. First of all, congratulations to Director of Player Personnel. For the second time in, what, four years, we have a Director of Player Personnel poached and taken to a promotion. It was Joe Douglas a few years back, got taken to the New York Jets. He is a general manager, and now Ian Cunningham is off to Chicago to be the assistant GM there. Um, So congratulations to him. And of course, we know there was a couple other people in our personnel department who were interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings role. So clearly, we want Howie Roseman out And there are some amazing people behind him that unfortunately are not seeing the light of day in Philadelphia like they should, but they are getting the opportunity elsewhere. I don't know if you have anything you want to add to the uh, move of Ian Cunningham and the interviews within the player personnel department, but we clearly have a very well-respected and highly regarded front office. I just wish someone could take over for Howie and we have Howie out of the picture personally. I mean, I want Howie to be the numbers guy. Let Howie deal with contracts but i need i want somebody else to deal with the football side of it um whether you know it was ian cunningham or whether it could be andy wydell um <clears throat> that's what i want it's never going to happen just because i don't know wh- what he has on jeffrey Lurie or whatnot but like i get that the eagles are, are a very profitable team but let, if, if anything, I would let him deal with the, the money side of things, let him deal with the business side of it and find somebody to deal with the football side. Get me a football person in there. And like I mentioned, I mentioned Andy Wydell, um, <clears throat> who's the assistant GM, I, I, I believe. But, like, we've lost Andrew Barry. He could have done it. We've lost Joe Douglas. Um, so that, that's the unfortunate thing. Um, and, it's a, and I don't know what needs to happen for for Howie to, to get fired, but the fact that they made the playoffs this year, they have, like – He's all in, he's always in self-preservation mode, so he's going to trade one of these first-round picks potentially for another one next year so that if things go downhill, especially at the quarterback position, he can go to Jeffrey Lurie and say, I have two first-rounders next year. The quarterback class in 2023 is a way better than this 2022 class. I'll fix it. And, like, that that's the unfortunate part, and and Lurie will fall into it and let him come back and try to fix it. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but, uh, you know, one way or another – it's. I would love to to see how we move to the business side a lot, and and the Eagles to let somebody else control the football side, but it's not going to happen. 
Definitely agreed there. Definitely agreed there. There's, this is always the off-season conversation of trying to figure out what the hell does Howie Roseman have on Jeffrey Laurie that he won't just give up. It seems to be the every off-season. I think this is the fourth off-season we're going into podcasting together, and I yeah. think we've discussed it almost every off-season, and we still to this date have not figured it out. So it must be something real good, real juicy. Um, I think I talked about Brian Johnson potentially going to Chicago. It's actually Green Bay should have checked my show notes before saying that he might go to Green Bay as an offensive coordinator he's of interest there we already kind of touched on that I think that's very important if we lose Brian Johnson I actually think Green Bay is I thought and I could be wrong that they were actually gonna I think it was their tight end coach or whatever was gonna get promoted to to the offensive coordinator but regardless of whoever is offensive coordinator in Green Bay Matt Matt LaFleur what is it Mike LaFleur whatever LaFleur um Calls the plays. So, exactly. And, and I yeah. get Brian Johnson wanting the ability to go and be an offensive coordinator because he probably has aspirations of becoming a head coach. So, I, I would get him wanting to potentially move on. Um, again, I'm of the ilk. I didn't really see much, or I think that that would happen if Jordan Love was going to be the quarterback. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going back to Green Bay. Um, if Jordan Love was going to be the starting quarterback, it would be smart to bring over somebody like Brian Johnson who has worked with young quarterbacks in the past, you know, especially in his college days, um, worked with Jalen this year. And Jordan Love and, and Jalen Hurts are similar-ish. Um, I think Jordan Love is, it, you know, has a better arm and whatnot. But I think they're similar in, in the nature to where Brian Johnson can work with, with him because he has worked with Jalen Hurts in the past. Um, but if, if, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> if Aaron Rodgers goes back, like I think he will, and that's my gut instinct right now. Um, I mean, I think they're going to want to keep it in-house and and pull up, a, a, whether it's a, the tight end coach or the receiver coach or somebody like that, to be the offensive coordinator. Agreed. I think Brian Johnson would kind of go over as a glorified offensive coordinator more for Jordan Love, like you said. I think they would be waiting on the decision from Aaron Rodgers, but I think, you know, it, it might be too little too late if you're waiting on Aaron Rodgers decision because he might really drag it out this offseason similar to what he did last offseason so we'll have to see there and one two other ones Kevin Petula Petula potentially to Chicago as the offensive coordinator personally our passing game was one of the weakest aspects of our entire game so I don't necessarily believe it's a big loss on that front and I mean I know the passing game coordinator sometimes works in conjunction with the defensive side of the football as with the cornerbacks and stuff because hence passing game coordinator but I think our cornerback Darius Slade doesn't it didn't matter the coach that he that was not the make or break between him and Steven Nelson and how they performed this past season I mean to me take him if you want to take him Nick Sirianni's calling the plays and I think it's more Nick Sirianni's offense with some help from a passing game and a running game coordinator and Jeff Stoutland, of course. But otherwise, I don't think Kevin Pachula would be a very big loss if that does happen. Anything you want to add on him? Um, not really. My only thing when it comes to hiring head coaches, I get Matt Everflus, um, you know, getting hired um, as the, the Bears coach. The one bad thing about hiring a defensive guy as a head coach is you're going to want to hire a really strong offensive guy to be your coordinator. That offensive coordinator is going to get poached to be a head coach within a couple of years. Like if Mm -hmm. I was the owner of a team, the GM of a team, my head coach is going to be an offensive guy because 
<clears throat> I want stability for my quarterback, whoever that's going to be. You know, Justin Fields being the quarterback with the Bears right now, um, so he's he, this is his second year. He's going to have a second offense. And whoever they hire as an offensive coordinator, if he gets the best out of Justin Fields and they, and they put points on the board, that offense coordinator is going to get interviewed and potentially hired as a head coach within the next two, three years. And then you're going to have to learn another offense if you're Justin Fields. Um, look, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, go after somebody for wanting to be a head coach um, like Matt Eberflus, Jonathan Gannon, whatever. But, I, I, you know, if I was an owner or GM, I'm hiring an offensive guy to keep the stability at the offensive coordinator for my young quarterback, who I'm potentially, my potentially young quarterback who's going to be the franchise in my, my team. Absolutely agreed on that point, especially I, I felt that was kind of a weird hire, too. I felt they should have went offensive with Justin Fields there. And you know that you're going to want to try and maximize Justin Fields right away. And because the Chicago fan base and the sure Chicago ownership is getting a little impatient, they kind of wasted a really good defense over the last few years. It's now getting older. And now they got this guy that they invested in at the quarterback position with Justin Fields. And they really want something to happen with him. So that was kind of a head scratch and hire, despite that Eberflus is probably a very good hire overall. Should have probably been offensive. Last but not least, Jonathan Gannon, before we do our predictions, Jonathan Gannon, apparently he nailed his next interview out of the park with the Houston Texans. It looks like it might be between potentially him and Josh McCowan for the uh, role there in Houston shocking honestly very shocking that it might be down to those two um in houston i feel like you, you went with who you went with last year you gave them the one year you weren't happy with the performance and then you're gonna go with one of these guys this year jonathan gannon had some super good interviews jonathan gannon must present an incredible case study to pete these these owners because they seem to love him and i think he's gonna be head coaching candidate for years to come if he doesn't get the role this year um and like i've said on our twitter account and i've taken some heat for it you can be a leader and you can be a really good coach and just not have the personnel right off the bat to do it and i think that that's the biggest situation with jonathan gannon and his defense this year was that he just didn't have the personnel to do it and hopefully some of those needs are addressed this offseason so that whatever if it's gannon or if they bring in a new defensive coordinator things improve greatly on the defensive side of the football. Anything you want to add on Gannon before we make our predictions? Well, I think that the Texans are going to, if they hire Gannon, he's going to be the bridge to McCown because they'll, they'll hire Gannon as the head coach. McCown will be the offensive coordinator. And in two years when they win two games next year and three games the year after, they'll fire, they'll fire Gannon and they'll be able to hire McCown. I don't know if you can justify hiring McCown as a, as a head coach, without having any experience as a coordinator or really as a coach at all um, in the NFL. I mean, it'd be really, really hard to sell that. Um, like there was all this, these reports of them talking about them wanting the count to interview elsewhere. And he got a call from the, a call, quote unquote, call from the Jaguars. But um, that's what I think is going to happen, potentially happen. Um, if Gannon gets the job, McCown's going to be the offensive coordinator. And in three or four years, they'll fire Gannon or replace him. With, with McCown, and that's kind of the route I think they want to take. Um, as an Eagles fan, take take Gannon. Um, there are so many good defensive coaches out there <laughs> right now. Um, I mean, I want I would love to go after, you know, with coaches starting to get higher, like 
Wink Martindale would be awesome, but I think he's going to go to the Giants. Um, <clears throat> I would love, you know, Vic Fangio, Mike Zimmer, Brian Flores, bring, you know, these guys that are going to be more aggressive um, on the defensive side of the ball. Gaddon went against good quarterbacks was terrible. Against really against good against mediocre quarterbacks, he was also. Eh. Um, but he, his defense looked good down the stretch because they didn't play anybody. Um, they played Terrell Heineke, Jake Fromm, Mike Lennon, uh, Zach Wilson. Teddy Bridgewater was the best quarterback the Eagles faced down the stretch. But when they went in the early parts of the year, you know, when they went up against and, and then in the playoffs, when they went up against Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, um, Dak Prescott, you know, he looked bad and he took it took him too long to adjust. Did he make adjustments? Sure. But it was way too long. It was 31 nothing in the playoff game like before. And I'm not putting that all on on the offense or excuse me, on the defense, because the offense wasn't wasn't good either. But it just took him too long. So that's my look. I hope the Texans hire again and good for him. I want to, uh, you know, we're, we're Philadelphia. We're, we're physical. We're a physical town. We want aggressive, an aggressive defense. I hate Like I'm still, I'm sitting here trying to figure out do I, would I rather get beat over the top a quick play or did I like it and killed by death by a thousand cuts that death by a thousand cuts defense that, um, Gatton was playing was so annoying and so frustrating. So I, I, I hope that, you know he he is successful wherever he goes if he if he goes and then I hope the that Sirianni hires one of these guys the, the one thing that this this coaching staff in Philly needs they're really besides Statlin they're really young they need to bring somebody with experience that can help Sirianni look and I get it it's going to be Sirianni's second year so he has starting to have experience but bring a def, bring a defensive coordinator in who's been a, a coach for a while who who's has head coaching experience that can help him. And I think, you know, Fangio, Zimmer, Martindale, Flores, guys like that would be a great addition to this coaching staff. Definitely. I, I like I like that take. I like the hot take on Gannon and McCowan and the potential situation transpiring there in Houston. Fun to imagine. And um, obviously it's fun to think about getting an aggressive, more aggressive defense and getting the personnel in place to have a really good defense next season. I do think Gannon would improve greatly in a second year and with better personnel. But if he were to get the opportunity, I would not sit here and say cry over spilt milk and say don't leave Gannon. I would definitely be on board for him going um, wherever he needs to go and take that promotion and we can try and figure out what we want to do on the defensive side of the football. But LJ, it's come to that time. Let's wrap things up. You want to carry us away into the uh, conference final predictions? Yeah, here we go. We'll start with the AFC Championship game. The second-seeded uh, Kansas City Chiefs hosting the fourth-seeded? Yeah, the fourth-seeded, excuse me, Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times against Tennessee last week and got up and kept slinging it. And these two teams did face before in Cincinnati. Uh, Joe Burrow threw for over 400, and um, Jamar Chase had 260, 266 yards receiving. And, and the Cincinnati Bengals win over the the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs making their uh, in their fourth consecutive AFC Championship game, making their third consecutive Super Bowl out of the AFC. Who you got? 
I think I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs on this one. I mean, I understand the Chiefs' defense isn't great, especially the secondary. And, you know, Joe Burrow yeah, may they, be able to feast. Yeah, Joe Burrow might be able to feast. But we saw Kansas City go pound for pound. And if you leave Mahomes with 13 seconds or less, we now know that is optimal time. Especially by the way, if you're by the gonna... way, I have to ask you this because I know it's been debated a lot. Should the Bills have kicked that through the end zone? Kicked it shorts or squib kicked it? I think they should have squib kicked it because you, if you squib kick that, they get one play. Instead, you give them two plays and you play such a prevent. To me, in that circumstance, I would have been playing up. I would have been playing man. You know it's Tyree Kill or you know it's Travis Kelsey. And then on that play that got them in field goal range, to have Kelsey that wide open going down the seam in the in the middle of that zone prevent defense that was going on. Oh man, I just I would have squib kicked it. I would have given I would have given Patrick Mahomes a one play, and I don't. I think it's more of a hail mary esque play that would have to take place. I don't know about you, but I would have squibbed that. I would I would have I wouldn't have kicked it through the end zone. I would have kicked the shorter script, kicked it, and forced them um, to use some time because they didn't take any time off the clock. If you if you kick it short or squib kick it, they're taking what five six seconds off, and you have potential for one play. Um, and if what Andy Reid said to Patrick Mahomes is true, uh, when he's like, it's looking grim and he goes, well, be the Grim Reaper. Hell of a quote. All-time quote right there. And I, so I think the Chiefs, uh, like you, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. And again, that game, Chiefs-Bills game may have been one of the best football games I've ever seen, not counting the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl. Um, now the NFC Championship game, NFC West rivalry, the, the Los Angeles Rams hosting the San Francisco 49ers. Who you got? This is going to be a really good game. I'm I'm really I'm actually quite excited for the 49ers and Rams game and you know what? I think I'm going to go with the Rams. And I do hope that it's a lot more exciting than the last time the Rams made it against the uh New England Patriots in one of the most boring Super Bowls we ever paid witness to. Um, the year after one of the best Super Bowls we ever Exactly, saw. exactly. Exactly. So I hope that that they can do it. I would not be surprised to see the 49ers get this, but I think I'm going to go I'm going to roll with the Rams. I think the Rams just have too much firepower. I think they have the slightly better defense. Um so Stafford and the Rams, man, I'd love to see Stafford get get the Super Bowl. I mean, after everything that he went through with Detroit, but I feel like Chiefs Rams, oh, I'm having a hard time going with the Rams. I, I just have a hard time picking against Patty Mahomes. Well, and we'll pick you the know, Super Bowl in a couple weeks for sure. Yeah, exactly. And our Eagles blood, you know, I got I I have Andy. I can't vote against Andy. I just can't. I want to see him get so he deserves so many more Super Bowls in his career than he got because of what the circumstances in Philadelphia. Um, so I'd like to see him get as many as he can get now before he goes out. So, but I'm going Rams over 49ers. Yeah, Andy Reid is is, and I I should have mentioned this before. Only coach in NFL history to take four teams in each or one team in each conference to four consecutive conference championship games. He did it with Philly. And he's done it with the Chiefs. Um, when it comes to to this Rams, it's hard for a team to beat another team three times in one year. And that and the the Niners have beaten the Rams six consecutive times. They beat them twice this year. And again, that last meeting, they were down seventeen nothing and came back to win to clinch a playoff playoff berth. Oh, man, it's tough. The 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 Rams went out and trade and traded all their draft capital for Matt Stafford for Von Miller. Uh, Get an OBJ. 
uh, Pay and Jalen Ramsey, Darren Donald. They're stacked. This is why they have all these guys. I'm going to go with the Rams. It's going to be a good game. I think this is this is a tough game to pick. Really, the toughest game of the weekend to pick. Um, Debo Samuel is re- Samuel is really good. Um, and, and I love what he's able to do with the football in his hands, whether it's catching, running the ball. And it's going to be tough for, for the Rams to stop him. But I think that the, the, the downfall for the Niners is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that the Rams win, and we are going to get a Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl. And if you remember the last time the Chiefs and Rams played, it was 54-51 with Jared Goff leading the Rams over the Chiefs in that game at the Coliseum a couple years back. And if we get a Super Bowl like that, woo-wee, it's going to be fun in a couple of weeks. I feel so bad for defensive coordinators because they plan to stop these offenses. And all the fans are like, if you stop these offenses from having a damn good game, we are going to hate you forever. And, you know, that's probably what it felt like in the Bills and the Chiefs game. It's like, we know you got you, the Bills have a good defense. And it's like, we know you game plan for this, but please give us what we want. I, oh, by the way, I wanted to ask you something before we, we finish off. The NFL overtime rule, do you think the Bills should have had a chance? <laughs> oh, man, I love when this debate comes up because it <laughs> happens every time we get a good game. And you know what? I saw somebody tweet something, and it made they made a very valid point. You have four quarters to go back and forth and to put a team away, and then you get that one chance in overtime, and you, if you allow the touchdown, the game's over. So it's like, at the end of the day, why should we change the rules for that circumstance when you literally had 60 minutes to do it and you couldn't do it? What would one more play make besides for the theatrics of the game going on? I do want the overtime rules to change. I agree with that person's point, but I also think I want the overtime rules to change. I believe it at should be At least for the playoffs. Fair. At least for the yeah, at least for the playoffs, make it do or die in the make it do or die in the playoffs. Give each got each team a chance, and it's whoever that's ends up I with like, the most points. And that's why I like the college overtime. And I'm not saying put the ball to 25 going in, but like, don't be surprised if the competition committee this year takes a look at the college over or takes a look at the overtime and at least cha- and changes it for at least. Uh, the playoffs and I think I actually that- did I did see that that they are considering it it's one rule that they already is at the top of the list for consideration this offseason so you know there's a very good you know the funny part may come I think it was three or four years ago the Chiefs actually put a proposal in to because change of their the loss to the rule Patriots because of their loss to the Patriots and now they were a beneficiary of it and, and it got still, damn right, it got still, damn right rejected, and, and, too. Back yeah. when that happened, it got outright rejected. They didn't even take it to the committee. You know how usually some things go to the committee, they test it out, and they see if it'll work? They outright rejected the Chiefs' proposal. I mean, that and year. Andy Reid even said he wishes that the, the, overtime, the NFL overtime would change, even after winning the game. So we'll see. And it would be a shame if, if one of the games this weekend or both of the games this weekend got ruined by overtime, by the NFL overtime rules. But we'll see. I'm hoping I'm, – I'm expecting a couple really good games. I got we both got Chiefs Rams in the Super Bowl. What is it? 56. 56. Super Bowl 56. All right. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. We will obviously be back either next week or the week after. We'll see. Um, and we'll get you set for Super Bowl 56. Whoever wins these games, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor Ten, and follow me on Twitter at LJ Harrell. 54 as we're gonna look to you know definitely 
leading up to the Super Bowl, bring bring more episodes. And as we get into the offseason, free agency and the draft, have more stuff and written content over at Fight Philly Fight Network. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Thank you.